On this week's episode, we welcome Dr. Ben Carson, Tiffany Justice, and Bridget Ziegler. Dr. Carson, why, why is it so important to have skilled and motivated teachers to prepare kids for learning? Well, you know, I don't think I've uh, ever met anybody who was highly successful who couldn't point to a teacher. Uh, who played a significant role in their lives. It's an incredibly important position at a time when children are impressionable and they can be molded. That's the reason that uh, Vladimir Lenin, uh, the great Marxist, said, give me your children to teach for four years and the seed that I sow will never be uprooted. When they're impressionable and young, that's when you have to teach them values. And that's why this needs to revert back to the home. Home is where values are taught, and, and teaching should involve the things that people need in order to be successful in life. Uh, that's the way it has always been. And in 18, let's see, it was 1831 when Alexis de Tocqueville came to America to kind of study what was going on here because Europeans were just so fascinated how could a nation barely 50 years old be competing with them on virtually everything, including education? And he was flabbergasted to find the level of literacy that existed in America. He could go out in the forest and find a mountain man, the guy could read. Um, and this was what characterized us. If you look at some of the exit exams that kids used to have to take to get a sixth grade certificate, you'd be blown away by what they were expected to know. And today, we have adults who don't know these materials. And if people are not educated, they become very easy to manipulate. And that's why John Adams said, our system is designed for an informed and educated populace. It is the teacher's job to make them informed and educated, not necessarily to teach them values. That's something for the parents. Bridget, why is it? so important for students to not only show up and respect the classroom, but that parents insist that they study their materials at home. Well, I think Dr. Carson made a great point. I mean, this is about the future and direction of our country. And if you see the lowering of standards that we've unfortunately seen in the education of public education in particular, but even crossing over to some of the public or private schools, it's so important because it sets them up for success. I, my biggest concern that I see across the board is that we're lowering expectations on our standards for both behavior and for academics. And the, the foundational skill set that our young children and the impressionable minds that they have at that or those early ages are critical for them to be successful in the what we call the real world. Um, and also, the other part is we are focused on a free and freedom and liberty, not being dependent on government. And so the more we can uplift our children of all races, of all socioeconomic status backgrounds, to be free thinkers and independent, to create a path of a success for their own, that's the American dream. And if we aren't allowing our children to learn how the basic skills to read, we're having people graduate that can't read at a third grade level, which is criminal. Um, we're really um, shackling the hands of our children's future. When did we, um, Tiffany, come into a place in America where the needs of the few outweighs the needs of the many? Um, when we were coming along, our generation it was education, education. We never had issues like transgenderism, 
CRT, pronouns, and it seems like we talk about everything except educating our kids in a quality manner. I think that the idea that somehow parents have brought politics in the classroom is just not true. We have government schools, and I don't think parents' expectations for those schools have changed. I think parents send their children to school, and they want their children to learn to read, to write, to do math. But I think what American parents have noticed, certainly during COVID and now, is we've seen kind of behind the curtain. And what we've noticed is that schools' goals are not to teach our children how to read. In fact, it seems like the goal of schools is to make children politically literate, to make them into social justice warriors and to not really worry about them having practicable skills. Um, you know, and, and we talk about the books a little bit, Armstrong. You know, I'm seeing some books that are, are listed you know, while I'm speaking. And you know, the books that moms and dads are concerned about are not those books that are being shown. We have a situation where children in our public schools are being sexualized at an alarming rate. And the books that we're finding are extremely concerning, very graphic sexual content. It, do you, are you saying? is deliberate knowing exactly what the outcome will be? I think public education has become a jobs program that focuses more on adults and their needs than the needs of our children. And I think we need to look no further than the outcomes that we have out of schools. Um, Mr. Crump talking about um, Baltimore schools. You had 23 schools with 0% of children proficient in reading and math. It is a crime, and someone needs to be held accountable. And it's time for parents to take back the wheel. That's why at Moms for Liberty, we're running for school board, and we're working to create good legislation to put the focus back onto basics in school. Dr. Carson, you and your wife, can have the Carson Scholars, and you've taken kids all across America, thousands of them that people said could not learn. They've gone from D's and A's in engineering and science and in math. What is it that happens with your curriculum that you believe every child has the ability to learn, and that is the foundation upon which you operate from? What is it that is so different about these kids than what we see, let's say, in a public school and a private school? Well, one of the things that we do is we put in reading rooms. And these are fascinating places that no kid would pass up. They're decorated, uh, usually in styles that conform to the area where they're found. Like there's one near Cape Canaveral, and it's shaped like a space capsule. You look through the one window, and you see the Earth. Another window, you see the moon. Another window, you see ET and they have books, all kinds of wonderful books that really fascinate the kids. Because if you can get a kid reading at grade level by the third grade, it changes the trajectory of their lives. And it makes it much more likely that not only will they finish high school, but they will go on to become very successful individuals. Those are the things that we really need to be thinking about. And you know, parents and teachers, administrators, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Sit down and study the places that are effective, the places where the children are doing well, and emulate those. It's just not rocket science. Bridget, talk about, uh, we talk about the shortage of teachers and the quality of teachers, but sometimes teachers in the classroom face disrespect, a war zone, spit on, uh, the worst kind of humiliation. Yeah, well, listen, I, there's no, um, it, 
the, the, one of the hardest jobs ever is, is actually being a teacher, and it's one of the most important jobs. And so, as I said before, there's two things that we're seeing, and I'm still a school board member in Sarasota, Florida, so I see this, I'm on the front lines right now, and you do see a lowering of standards, not only on the academic side, but on the behavior side, and that has a very significant impact on the quality of teachers, the working environment. And you have to think about anyone in any, any profession, you want a working environment where you can thrive. People who are teachers, it's a gift. They get into it because they truly want to help a child achieve success. I mean, that is, I, I come from a long line of educators and I know that that's at the heart of what they do. But unfortunately, and it, I believe that society as a whole, and we all as community members need to consider this, it's almost as if we're asking our schools to solve all of society's problems, mental health, behavior, poverty, um, eating, we could keep going on and on. And I think Dr. Carson said that it's almost as if we're talking about everything except education and educating, mathematics, um, writing, reading. Those are the core components. We need to ensure that the standards of expectation for everyone, staff and students, is that it's high, that everyone can achieve their God-given potential no matter what their background is, and I believe that you create and foster an environment that is great not only to learn in, but also to work in. And I think that, as was mentioned before, it does take a partnership. But sadly, there have been special interests from all over, from very high levels that have infiltrated our public education K-12 system to use it for everything except education, but to truly shape impressionable minds for social justice purposes or other ulterior motives. And that's why it's so important that parents at the ground level get involved, partner with your teachers, and try to form a, a, an environment that really does allow every child to thrive. You know, Tiffany, um, one of the issues that so many Americans are concerned about today is inflation, but there's a dirty secret to a different kind of inflation that goes on in the classroom and at graduation, and it's called graduation inflation. Yes, sir. Graduation inflation is a real thing and happening, and I think parents need to take a step back and say, how is it that only 20% of kids in eighth grade in my school district are reading proficiently, but yet we have a 90% graduation rate happening that's being reported? Unfortunately, I don't think the full story is always being told. I think school districts sometimes do two things very well. They protect themselves, and then they celebrate themselves sometimes to protect themselves. And so if you show 90% graduation rate, you know, people say, oh, that's fantastic. You're doing so well. We need to dive deeper. We need to talk about whether kids are really learning to read and write and do math in school. And parents are there now asking the hard questions, showing up at school board meetings, and they want the real data. And so I really think in order for children to thrive in American public school classrooms, we need to partner with our children's schools, but we do not co-parent with the government. No, Dr. Carson, you um, in many of your speeches of late have talked about critical race theory. Could you share with us your thoughts on the benefits and the consequences of the CRT push in the classroom? Well, I think it's very important that we teach uh, our children uh, all of our history, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But the fact of the matter is, an honest appraisal will show you that there's a lot more good than there is bad and ugly. And CRT, 16, 19, those programs, they take the bad and the ugly and they try to make that the foundation, build around that. Try to make uh, you know, black kids feel like victims, white kids feel like oppressors. How is that supposed to benefit our society by dividing mm -hmm. people like that? And, and that's why one of the reasons that uh, with American Cornerstone we have a little Patriots Learning Program, online free teaching program, teaches everything. And uh, recognize that 
you know, slavery was a horrible thing. There's no question about that. But America is not unique in having had slavery. If you study history, you'll know that all, virtually every society has had to deal with, with slavery. The only thing that makes us unique is that we had so many people who were vehemently against it that we were willing to fight a bloody civil war and lose a large portion of our population to get rid of it. That's, that's what should be emphasized. And you know we need to stop fighting each other and find ways to come together, to learn from our mistakes, to build upon our successes. You know, America is a great nation. I've visited 68 countries. I lived overseas. And I can tell you, there's no place like the country that we have. And we need to fight to preserve it because there are forces that are trying to fundamentally change who we are. And uh, we, the people, are the only ones who are going to stop them. And I'm delighted to see the explosion in homeschools. It's doubled since 2020. Uh, private schools, particularly faith-oriented schools, long waiting lists. I think parents are recognizing what's going on. But what we really need is school choice. Uh, facilitate that, and I think that will solve a large part of the problem. Bridget, talk about the importance of kids having relationships with their peers and also class size. Well, I saw a couple different things. I, I want to just mention what Dr. Carson said also, is that the school choice, we were talking about accountability, whether we're, that is the ultimate accountability, and that is where everything will ultimately change. I think Tiffany also made a very good point about that public education has almost turned into a jobs program instead of an education program, and that's absolutely true as well. So when you have school choice and people are voting with their feet, um, and you don't have the remote, uh, the enrollment to sustain continuation of jobs and the funding to, around it, that's when you start to see things shift, hopefully. That's the goal. And I think that when you talk about, uh, as far as you know, children in, in, in school, I think this was actually mentioned recently, that children get a predominant amount of their socialization at school. Yes, that's correct, but it's also learning how to re res you know, respect their elders, understanding the role of authority, understanding the responsibilities to coexist with other people of all different walks of life. to this week's episode.